It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. In the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, Kriya Yoga is defined as Tapas, Svadhyaya, and Ishvara Pranidhana. These are the three pillars of Kriya Yoga practice, and everything else falls under the umbrella of these three pillars. I want to focus on tapas today. Now tapas is often interpreted as intensity in spiritual practice, austerity, penance, and it's often associated with an idea of severity, of an extreme form of practice. The idea of meditating for hours on end. The idea of practicing pranayama until one sweats profusely. Even engaging in an asana, holding a particular posture um, as a type of penance for long periods of time. Many times people look at tapas and they think that's what this is all about. But if we dig a little deeper into the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, there's an indication that what tapas really means is the purification of our body, our bodies, I should say. And when I use the word bodies because we have a physical body made out of the elements, we have a energetic body made of breath, the astral body, and we have a causal body. And the causal body is a little harder to comprehend um, because it does include things like thoughts, um, but it's a little more subtle than we're used to experiencing. So we're going to go through a progression here where we explore how to practice tapas, how to practice purification and strengthening of these three bodies, the physical body, the astral body, the energetic body, as well as the causal body. Now, from the perspective of yoga, we need to follow a progression which in a sense is reversing the flow of our consciousness from this outward directed consciousness where we experience the elements and the changing phenomena of nature. We reverse that until we move into uh, the inner planes of our consciousness. And when we're just caught up in the gross world, the physical and changeable world, that can be as simple as becoming aware of your emotions and your emotional state, or becoming aware of your thoughts and your states of consciousness. But we're going to break this down, go one step at a time. And we're going to begin with the idea of um, the physical, the gross body, which is made up of the elements, matter, that which you can touch, you can move around, you can change uh, on a physical level. Now, tapas from the gross level, the level of the elements, really requires that we attend to and care for the physical body. Many people become overly identified with the physical body, even those who practice yoga. They say they practice yoga, but really all they're doing is redirecting whatever obsession they might have to a sense of physical perfection or flexibility or the idea of looking like um, a, a good yogi should. But tapas is not about what you look like. Tapas is about how strong is your body such that it enables you to experience an inward turning of consciousness. And many people overlook this. And when they overlook the purification of the physical body, the strengthening of the physical body, they may wonder why a lot of years go by and they really haven't experienced um, a depth of clarity from their meditation practice or their Kriya Yoga practice. They wonder why they've been reading the Yoga Sutras, the Bhagavad Gita, the inspired works of their chosen teachers, uh, 
They wonder why they've been exploring those things and meditating, but yet they really haven't made um, an appreciable, appreciable amount of progress. And by progress, that means we are better able to turn our awareness within. We're better able to realize and recognize uh, the, the spiritual nature of ourselves, the eternal, infinite nature of ourselves. And so there are a few ways that you can approach um, tapas from the elemental or physical level. First and foremost, very easily. A very easy way to do that is to be aware of the foods that you eat. And a lot of this is going to seem like review for a lot of you. So if you're listening to me talk and you think, well, I'm already doing that. Well, fantastic. Keep doing it. And keep in mind that you are doing well in that regard. But choosing, choosing foods which support your health and well-being. Now, Mr. Davis was never really a fanatic about anything as far as I could tell, at least during the years that I knew him, during the, the final 18 years of his life. Um, but he would always recommend that students eat um, a natural, healthy, nutrition-rich um, diet with a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. And anytime I would go and I would visit with him, uh, sometimes he would invite me down for lunch uh, with the staff, and his wife, Willie, would, would make food. And even when, when they served food at the retreats, they pretty much ate the same thing. Um, they ate a lot of rice and beans with a lot of fresh vegetables and salad. Um, there would occasionally be cheese and some nuts and so on. But there was this emphasis on a very simple diet. And that included, again, fresh vegetables, whole grains, fresh fruits, and there wasn't a lot of processed foods um, when I would eat with Mr. Davis and the staff at the retreat center. And this is really um, important and very simple. Uh, Ramana Maharshi, as you may know, one of the things that he recommended when someone asked, what is one of the greatest supports to self-realization? He would say one of the greatest supports is eating a sattvic diet. That also really indicates being conscious of the amount of stimulants and sugar that you take in. Um, this is one way to set the foundation for tapas or intensity and spiritual practice on an elemental level. Now we have to remember that all of us are different. So we just want to study our digestion. We want to study our appetite. And we want to figure out ways to eat in a very um, simple, healthy way that allows us to be strong and energetic and healthy. It's as simple as that. So this is step number one. Number two is keeping the body strong, exercising. I was recently reading an article on longevity and there were a few things um, that were stated that are important for longevity. Uh, one of them was, of course, having good genes. Another was uh, having a healthy diet. Um, the third one was maintaining uh, muscle mass as you age. So doing exercises that maintain strength of the body and muscle mass of the body. So it's important to maintain, if you want to look at it like your bodily temple, also, one of the other indications for longevity was not retiring and doing work that you could stay engaged in for the duration of your life, because usually you have a sense of purpose. You usually don't want to retire from something that you have a sense of purpose. I remember Mr. Davis, people would often ask him, when did he plan on retiring? And he would say, why would I retire? You know, I've, I, don't, I don't plan on retiring. And he didn't. So the next pillar of tapas intensity uh, of spiritual practice, this aspect of Kriya Yoga, is finding an exercise routine that keeps your body active and mobile. Maybe you do Qigong, maybe you do yoga, maybe you do some weight training. You have to find something for you that keeps you strong and energetic and fit. Um, I've done all kinds of different types of exercise, and I 
used to go to extremes, but all I do now is, is I, I exercise in such a way that I feel energized during the day. So I don't exercise so much that it wipes me out. I also don't focus too much on how I look. I focus on how do I feel and how strong am I? How, how able am I to attend uh, to my life experience? And that very well could be practicing yoga every day. Um, again, you don't want to be a fanatic about it. One woman asked me, how can I do this meditation practice and do my yoga practice? There's no time in the day. And I said, well, how long is your yoga practice? And she said, an hour and a half every morning. And I said, that's too long. You, there's no reason to do, in, unless you're just independently wealthy and have nothing better to do with your time, you don't need to um, do a yoga practice for 90 minutes every day. A half hour, 45 minutes is plenty. Um, and again, you can adjust the kind of yoga that you do. Maybe you need to do some power yoga for those 30 minutes or 45 minutes where there's more uh, of a strengthening aspect to the practice. Or maybe you're already strong and you need to work more on the flexibility aspect of things. There is no single prescription that can be given to anyone. And this is why one of the other pillars of Kriya Yoga is Svadhyaya, which means self-study. It does mean study of the self, as in the spiritual side of you, but it also means study of your unique expression as this infinite consciousness and attending to what the needs are of that unique expression of this infinite consciousness. So taking care of your body, finding some way to remain strong and active. And many people will find and have told me that when they actually start taking this seriously, getting enough sleep, getting enough rest, eating well, um, doing what they need to do to, to be strong and fit, that their meditations get better by themselves. They just get better naturally. Why? Because the body, the nervous system, is, is being given what it needs to function optimally. And I think many people uh, miss this. Uh, they don't recognize that their body is how consciousness is being processed through them. And so um, the better we're able to take care of this instrument of the body, the easier it becomes to meditate, to stay awake during meditation, because we have to be able to stay awake during meditation in order to access the subtle levels of meditation. Um, so there is another step to this pro uh, another step to this practice of tapas, aside from these very um, practical measures, and that is um, becoming aware and balancing the elements of your body. And really, it's the elements of nature. Earth, water, fire, air, and ether. And this is where we get into more of the, the subtle inner practice of tapas as related to the gross physical elemental body. And this is really very easy. The very beginning part of this would simply to begin to pay more attention to the elements. What does that mean? Pay attention to the physicality of your body, the earth element. The taking time to, to feel the body, to, to generate greater body awareness. And many times you've heard me lead meditations, and I always start with this feeling of the body, moving into the body, feeling the weight of the body, feeling the temperature and the pressure and the, the, the sense of um, presence within the body. This is one really easy and profound way to begin feeling, experiencing the earth element. And when we begin to feel and experience and honor this idea of the earth element, it begins to balance that element within us. Something else you can do, which is really recommended for all yogis and really any human being who's alive and wants to be uh, happy and healthy, is to observe uh, the element of earth in the world. I like going on walks. And I particularly like walking in areas where there's like large, old boulders. But when I don't see those, when I'm walking, I, I observe the earth. I feel 
the weight of gravity, my weight of gravity against the earth, as if that pushing off of the earth is honoring and acknowledging the earth. And by doing that, I, I'm putting more awareness in the bottoms of my feet. I'm bringing more awareness to the, the proprioceptors in the bottom of my feet, feeling the earth below me as I walk. If I'm hiking somewhere and there is a mountain or uh, a large rock or, or something strong and, and structured and, and crystalline in nature, I'll feel it. I'll, I'll, I'll put my hand on it and I'll just feel the texture of it, the coldness of it, the immobility of it. Or if I'm fortunate and there's a place I can sit down, I'll sit down on it and I'll just feel that heaviness, that strength, that, um, again, immovability, the structure of the rock. And so any way that you can become aware of the earth element, either simply by feeling the body, being aware of the bones within your body, doing weight training is a great way to feel the body. Um, this is one way to, on a subtler level, honor this aspect of yourself, this expression of consciousness, which is the earth element. Even gardening, digging in the dirt, when you walk in the woods and you can smell the soil, smell it. Don't get down in there and inhale it so that you give yourself um, sinus problems, but just be aware of the sense of things. Um, that helps to balance the earth element within you. When it comes to water, again, you can feel the body. And whereas you feel the heaviness and the weight and the bones within the body for the earth element, you can be aware of the fullness of the body with the water element. You know, you have um, pads on your hands and on the bottoms of your feet. You have fleshy parts of your body. You have moisture within your mouth, within your eyes. Um, you can feel the movement as, as your joints move. There's, there's fluid in there. There's lubrication in there. You can be aware of uh, the fullness within your belly or the beating of your heart. Or as you inhale and breathe, you can imagine that you can feel that water pressure expanding and releasing on the breath. This is one way by feeling the body that you begin to honor and acknowledge um, the water element, the manifestation of the water element within the body. You can also, again, spending time in nature, observe rain, go swimming, feel the wetness of things. Um, if you can walk barefoot through moss or, or fresh grass, and you can feel the moisture of the earth below you. Um, anything which allows you to come in contact with and, and experience the water element consciously, and this is the key, you have to do it consciously. Really feel it. Really take time to, to open your mind and your awareness to the sensation of water, the buoyancy of water. And in doing so, again, you begin to harmonize and integrate this water element within you, which is an expression of the infinite consciousness. You can be aware of the fire within your life. It's very easy to do that too. As you feel the body, you notice the temperature within the body, the feeling of warmth or cold. Anytime you notice temperature, even changes of temperature from one part of the body to the next, you are becoming aware of the fire element within the body. Um, from the Yoga Sutras, you can hold your awareness on the navel and imagine that you can feel the fire of digestion within the belly. Or um, if that's a little too abstract for you, you can bring your awareness to the navel, the third chakra, and you can just feel, practice feeling the warmth within the depth of your belly. And it can be helpful to even take your hands and put them over each other and rest them on the navel to feel that warmth. And it's very simple. You're not doing anything um, miraculous or profound. You're simply consciously bringing awareness to this kind of warmth, this heat within your body. You can be aware of fire in nature. Anytime you see light and observe light, Observe light shining on the ground, shining through the trees, reflecting off of water, feeling the radiance of light on your body. Uh, this brings you into harmony with the fire element within nature. So any way that you can bring your awareness consciously to light, to warmth, to the idea of fire, and even observing the transformations that you feel within your body, fire encourages transformation. This is bringing harmony to the element of fire within the body. 
and you need to do it consciously. When you're cooking, I do this a lot, I become consciously aware of the heat that is working on the food. Or right before I eat, I observe the steam rising from the food, or I feel the heat of the bowl in my hands, or the heat of a teacup in my hands. It's one way of becoming consciously aware of fire within the body. Fire within consciousness, really. And you can also direct your awareness to wind, the air element. Very simple. Just observe the breath. Observe the expansion and the contraction of the breath. Observe the feeling of the air, the atmosphere flowing in through your nostrils or in through your mouth when you inhale. And simply observe, feel the breath flowing out of your nostrils, flowing out of your mouth when you exhale. Hopefully you're not a mouth breather. Um, there's some studies that show that uh, it's better to figure out a way to breathe through your nose if you can. Um, but just being aware of the movement of breath, riding the movement of breath. Anytime you do breath awareness, pranayama, you are uh, becoming aware of the air element and you are balancing that element of air. When you're outside, feeling the breeze, feeling the atmosphere around you, even on a still day, you can feel... Um, the uncovered portions of your skin, like your hands or your face, um, or if you're able to you know, go bathing and you just have a, a bathing suit on, just feeling the air, the atmosphere as it touches your skin. This is a really easy way to become aware of the air element and the atmosphere and feeling that boundary on the skin observing wind, watching the trees blow, watching uh, grass as it rolls when the wind goes over top of it. These are all excellent ways to begin to become aware of the air element, and they're really very simple. I'm sure there are other ways too. But it all, all, all that it requires is conscious attention on what is related to that element with, with this... Uh, this body, this, um, this body's ability to perceive the elements. Space is an interesting one. Uh, akasha, ether. Ether, akasha, space, is that which holds all of the elements. And um, you will have heard me say, I believe, if, if you attended some of the meditations that I lead, I recommend that individuals feel as though they are free in space. You might be aware of the body, sure, but you want to imagine that your awareness really is the space that holds the body. And it, it can be a sense of boundlessness up and to the sides and in front and behind and down, as though on some level there's a part of you which is able to feel the wholeness of space. And you can even reflect upon that inwardly, because while the body seems solid, all of the cells, all of the molecules, all of the atoms have a lot of space within them. So when I imagine space, I imagine it going outwards in all directions. But I also take time to feel the body and just imagine what would it be like if I could feel the space between the atoms, the space between all those um, protons and neutrons and electrons or whatever they are, however deep they go these days. And I just try to consciously, with my imagination, what would that feel like? What is that experience like? I observe the places in my body where there is space, such as in my sinuses, in my mouth, within the lungs, and probably even within the bones and so on. If I could feel that, what would it be like? Um, in Kriya Yoga, many of you have probably heard of uh, what's it called? Oh, Kachari Mudra, yeah, <laughs> Kachari Mudra. And many people describe that as when you take your tongue and you direct your tongue backwards, and many people go to an extreme of like cutting their frenulum and trying to stick their tongue up into their nose, and their, their nasal passage. Um, I don't particularly recommend that. I don't think Roy Jean Davis did either. Um, there's something to be said for taking your tongue and directing it towards that space where your hard palate ends and your soft palate begins, energetically that can be very helpful, and that is a form of Kachari Mudra, but that's not really the point I'm trying to get at here. Uh, in a text called the Shandilya Upanishad, if I remember correctly, 
and I believe I do, uh, they talk about this mudra. And they don't really get into this idea of what you do with the tongue. The mudra itself is becoming aware of space. And so this is also why you might have heard me say, when you meditate, to feel your shoulders, to feel the top of your head, to feel the upper part of your body as though it is light, as though it is floating upwards gently in a very comfortable and enjoyable way, as if the top part of your body is weightless. And you can go even further and imagine that your awareness is expanding with this weightlessness, with this release of gravity in your mind, in your contemplation. And in uh, the Shandilya Upanishad, this is described as what Kachari Mudra is, the ability to free your awareness in space. So um, this is another way to be aware of akasha, ether, or space. Now, there's an even more important way. Everything that we've just discussed, if you can kind of go through these little stages of contemplation within your body, um, and you, you conclude with ether, akasha, Usually by that time, if you take your time with it, if you really kind of get into it, you will be able to hear uh, the vibration of your nervous system, which uh, is often interpreted as the beginning stages of OM, listening to the OM vibration, that which has made uh, all of this possible, the vibration of life. And so uh, the indicator for uh, space, ether, is sound, shabda. And so if you can listen to that inner sound and let your awareness fully become engrossed in the sound of your nervous system, sometimes it's a, it's a bell-like sound, sometimes it sounds like crickets, sometimes it sounds like a really faint, uh, high-pitched squealing sound. But if you can sink your awareness into that and imagine that it is coming from all directions and it is permeating everything, that is one really profound way to begin accessing ether and to deepen your meditation practice. That takes some time, that takes some experimentation, um, but it's really a wonderful idea to begin cultivating uh, awareness of sound. Now let's say you can't hear that. Let's say you're not able to hear anything within your inner ears and you're wondering what is this guy talking about. Well, you don't have to listen to, to that. You can listen to any sound, meaning even in a silent room, you can hear silence. You can hear the creak of an old house. You can hear a, a chime outside. You can hear a lawnmower in the distance. You can hear a bird chirping. You can hear a car going by. So just allowing yourself to become aware of the sounds and let them come in and go out without naming them, without getting too caught up in them, just letting them vibrate through your awareness, essentially. You are cultivating awareness of akasha, ether, space. And so this is um, one of the inner ways to work with the elements. And you will be able to do that very well if you take care of the two grosser ways, such as eating well, um, taking care of the body, getting enough rest, exercising, and so on. It'll be much easier for you to do this. But if you can begin looking at your life in this way, then you will start to recognize that just about everything you do is part of your Kriya Yoga practice because no matter what environment you are in, you can somehow be aware of the elements. You can be aware of the warmth in your body. You can be aware of the gravity, the heaviness, the structure of the body. You can be aware of the feeling of um, water within the body. Heck, even just drinking a cup of water and consciously feeling the movement of water into your body is doing the same thing. You can observe light. You can feel air. You can breathe. You can listen to sound. All of this sounds um, very easy, but if you're not used to it, it's actually kind of hard or challenging, we'll say. It's not hard, it's challenging. But the more you're able to begin to honor and experience the elements which make up the body, you are practicing tapas. You are practicing uh, this purification and strengthening of the, the physical body, which is an important pillar of your Kriya Yoga practice. Now, we also want to acknowledge um, the second of the three bodies. And these, the, this idea of bodies, they can be divided up in many different ways. Right now, for our purposes, I'm focusing on the physical, the gross. 
which is just as important as any other part of you. Um, the astral, the energetic, the emotional part, that's body number two. And then the causal body, the causal body, which we'll get to next. But first, let's talk about the astral body. The astral body is the body of your emotions, the body of the energy that, that moves through you, that you're able to feel. Within that astral body usually resides the programs uh, of your life how you react, how you respond to things, how you perceive things, how you feel about things. And this is one of the reasons why um, I do put a lot of emphasis on psychological well-being and using a counselor when you need to, uh, getting help when you need to emotionally and so on. Because um, this is an important part, this is an important part of your expression in this world and it colors how you relate to the world, which means it's also going to color how you relate to your spiritual practice, how you relate to your spiritual teacher, how you relate to yourself in regards to your spiritual practice. All of this is um, not controlled, but colored by um, the energetic body, the astral body. Now, you know, ideally, um, ideally, when you come to yoga, and we think about the very first sutra in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Um, I believe it's Atta Yoga Nushasanam. That means a now instruction in yoga practice. And that means that you are balanced enough to be able to understand and appreciate and apply the subtleties of yoga. And that's not true for everyone in this day and age because the, the knowledge of yoga is available to everyone. So people can just pick up a book and get started. But to do it from, um, from the best foundation requires uh, acknowledging your, your emotional body, your energetic body. And this is very important to talk about. Um, one of the prime practices of yoga that works on the uh, emotional body, the astral body, is pranayama. So anytime we do pranayama, alternate nostril breathing is excellent, or kriya pranayama, or simply breath awareness, or even chanting om out loud is a form of pranayama. Um, this helps to balance the energetic body. Now, for a relatively well-adjusted human being, all you need to do is practice pranayama, kriya pranayama, and chanting of om externally, and that will take you really far within this purification and strengthening of the energetic body, because not a whole lot's really going to get in your way, because you are well-balanced, um, reasonably mature, and so on. Um, but some people, when they practice pranayama, uh, they don't like it, or they notice that maybe some emotions come up for them, or there's some resistance to it. And if that is the case, one thing you can do is just be more gentle with your pranayama practice. Maybe do a few less rounds, or don't do it as intensely. And in that way, it's like the, the energetic bathing process becomes, again, more gentle. So it's not going to stir anything up for you that's going to make you... Um, irritated or angry or depressed, these, these types of things. Um, but those of you who do practice pranayama and you find that there's resistance or you find that uh, frustration comes up or you find um, that, say, when you do kriya pranayama, the, you can't really pull your awareness up past the heart chakra, well, that's a key indication that you need to find a counselor, a therapist, someone and it might not be the first person you find because you know you got to feel you got to find the right one for you. But if it's important for you to wake up in this lifetime, you need to use whatever tools are available to you. And that means you don't say, "Oh well, you know, I'm not going to do this because it brings up emotional content for me and I don't feel like finding someone to help me with it. I'm just not going to worry about it." If that's the case in my mind that says you aren't really necessarily 
fully interested in waking up in this lifetime, which is fine. You've got eternity. Uh, but if you are interested, um, then by all means, don't hesitate to find uh, support and assistance when you need it. Now, how do you know when you need it? This is the question. Um, if your daily life is pretty chill and you feel confident and strong and you're not overwhelmed by uh, the experiences that are brought to you and you don't have an underlying current of anxiety or frustration or anger or depression. And sometimes, we, again, we have to practice svadhyaya to observe how do we feel. And many times we can't see it because it's been with us so long that it's, it just seems like our hair or our, our fingernails. It's just a part of us. But if there's a constant stream of anxiety or depression or frustration or anger, or who knows, there can be a whole list of them, that is an indication that there is an energetic pattern going on underneath the surface of it all, which might need to be resolved. Now, it may be you can just simply bring your attention to it, you can practice hatha yoga, you can do pranayama, and it'll take care of itself. That is absolutely possible. But I've known enough people uh, in this field who have tried that for years and decades, and they still never got to the issue. It's because it's a little deeper and it requires uh, a skilled person to help them there. So, when you meditate, when you live your life, just every now and then check in and wonder, am I usually pretty okay? And by okay, I mean alert, curious, alive, engaged, and confident in your ability to um, participate within life. If on the other hand, there's a constant sense of you don't really want to participate in life, or there's a constant sense of um, just being fearful about change or doing something new or, or trying to grow, uh, or if there's a, an underlying sense of hopelessness about things. I'm just giving some examples here. It could really be a, a number of things. And it's constant. Don't necessarily write it off as, oh, that's just who I am. That's um, not who you are. You are the infinite immortal spirit, and it might simply be that your energetic body, your astral body, is holding on to something that could be buried way deep down inside, and you might not necessarily have um, the self-awareness to find it yourself, or even the ability to know how to deal with it yourself. So if that's the case, it's at that point in time, you find assistance, and you recognize that is also a part of your Kriya Yoga practice. Because many people, and myself included, when, you, when I have dug into that, when I've seen other people do that, it's as if their meditation practice then just works. You know, you read the books, you read about these sages and saints, and they talk about these, the depth of, of, of experience they have, and, and when you've attended to and you've resolved with help these deeper issues, you meditate and you practice pranayama and you practice internalization of attention, and now you've, you actually have that same experience because it is accessible to all of us. But what we have to do is we have to work with these bodies that we're, that we're living life through. The physical body, which we've discussed earlier. Uh, the astral body, the energetic body, which we're discussing now. And the causal body. And, and this is challenging. The work that it requires to experience enlightenment or samadhi or deeper states of consciousness, if it was easy, everyone would do it. If it was easy, everyone would be able to just simply move into a samadhi state. It would be just easy. And despite what a lot of teachers say, it's obviously not. <laughs> because when a teacher says, just be present, well, you can be present all day long. But if you have these underlying patterns kind of cycling through, they're going to prevent you from experiencing that purity of awareness that, that is there. So... Um, you want to acknowledge that the, the mm, attending to your psychological and emotional well-being is part of your Kriya Yoga practice. Now, there are times when you are just in a difficult situation. Maybe you've got a health issue. Maybe you've got some relationship issues. 
who knows? There's, there are reasons for you to feel uncomfortable because you're alive, you're a human being. I'm not telling you that you know, the goal is to feel neutral all the time. What I'm focusing on is um, if you're not in one of those difficult situations, everything is working well, rolling along smoothly, and yet you still have this undercurrent of something. That's when you need to look at it a little bit more. When you're in a stressful situation, you might, you might need to just simply endure that until it passes. Sometimes there are situations we're in that we can change. We don't want to because we're comfortable, but we can change them. So part of this practice, we, we always have to remember that while there are these pillars of tapas, svadhyaya, and ishvar pranidhana, the pillars all support the structure. So the, the, the focus on svadhyaya, self-study, is going to help all around, just like tapas is going to help all around, just like Ishvara Pranidhana is going to help all around. And so we sometimes have to actually engage in a self-honest analysis of where we are and what's going on to ask ourselves, could I really change? Am I stuck in a pattern because I'm afraid? Um, is there something I could do to see if, if, if life can be different? And it might require that you make those changes from that self-reflection. Um, and that is self-study. But that is also care for this astral, this emotional body. Um, continuing with the idea of the astral emotional body, just like the food you eat creates your body, that which you feed your body is what makes this structure, the structure of the body. And most of the time, the better ingredients we put into the body, the better the quality of the body. The better, stu- the better the stuff um, that the genes have to work with. Well, the same is true from an astral level, from an energetic level. So we have to be conscious of what do we feed ourselves emotionally and energetically. And what we feed ourselves emotionally and energetically essentially is the entertainment that we take in, the, um, the quality of the people around us, how they make us feel, um, the situations that we're in, all of this builds up our emotional body. And you'll find, this is one of the reasons why satsang and keeping holy company is important because that is what helps to also build uh, the astral body. When you're around fearful people, harmful people, manipulative people, difficult people all the time, you're going to, that, that's what you're feeding this astral body. And so the astral body is going to tend to resonate with feel manipulated, fearful, harmed, and so on. And so part of our, our, our spiritual practice, our care, our tapas, is to be very conscientious about who we participate in life with. Now, just like with every other aspect of this, you know, sometimes you're traveling and you just got to eat some French fries but you don't want to eat french fries all the time. Sometimes we're in a life situation that is stressful. It's just part of being alive. But you don't want to subject yourself to excessive stress all the time. Um, When it comes to people, sometimes, yes, there's a family member, a friend in distress or who needs you, and it's stressful, and it's okay to participate in that. But if you find yourself in relationships that are always draining, that are always having a sense of manipulation about you, that are making you uncomfortable, practice svadhyaya and figure out, what can I change here? And if you can't change anything, you change, you change the relationship. You do your best in that regard. Again, we're not talking about any kind of extreme here, but it's about seeing what you can do and then doing your best with it. And this will, this alone, I've, I've seen this with students, with friends, with family members, when they have switched from a stressful job that they've been at for a decade and a half, and next thing they do is something that doesn't have that kind of drama around it, their blood pressure magically goes down, their migraines go away, they can sleep better, they're generally happier. Well, what's going on there? It's obvious. They're not feeding their astral, their energetic body in this way. 
So we have to be conscientious of that. And this is often one of the hardest things to change because we often feel locked into uh, the people that are around us. And I'll tell you, um, you can find people who are supportive of you, that you can be in a, a, a mutually beneficial relationship with rather than being a parasitic relationship with. They do exist. Personally, I think they're harder to find, but they are worth finding if you can. And you should have the optimism that it is possible for you. Now, these are more mm, common sense things that we need to consider about how we feed the astral body. But one more thing. Um, I've talked to numerous younger people, by that I mean early 20s, who have an interest in Kriya Yoga, and some who've participated in the Kriya Yoga Apprenticeship Program. And one of the difficulties they have is um, the ability to focus, the ability to uh, feel inspired towards life. And in the conversations I've had with them, they have brought it up themselves. I didn't even point it out to them. Sometimes I do. But I, I didn't have to point out to them. They feel that the amount of time they spend on, on technological devices and social media, that that does something to them, that zaps their willpower, that makes them feel less than what they are. They found that on their own. Occasionally, I'd have to say something, but they found that on their own. So keeping in mind that what, what keeps the astral body strong and healthy is the entertainment you feed it. Go outside, observe animals, go for a bike ride, um, pick up a book and learn something, um, save your social media and email and, and all that um, for a specified time. Don't let it rule your life. And this will have a naturally positive effect on your astral body. Now, um, on another level, one thing that we can do internally with our meditation is really just focus on pranayama, focus on the breath or the air element, essentially. You want to take those times in meditation when you're doing alternate nostril breathing or just observing the inhale and exhalation of the breath or chanting om externally out loud or doing kriya pranayama you really want to take your time to feel the movement of the breath in each of those things. So instead of just cranking through an alternate nostril breathing um, repetition, really feel the movement of the breath moving into the nostril and moving out of the nostril. Really feel the rise and fall of the belly. Let, let yourself kind of get into this flow. And this, this brings awareness to the prana the life force of your body. And on a subtle level, the more that you bring the awareness to the prana, to the life force of your body, just feeling the breath, feeling the energy within the body, if you do that long enough on, an, on a subconscious or unconscious level, you will actually start making choices which support a healthy flow of prana, a healthy life force within the body, a healthy astral body. Because the more you become aware of the breath and the more you become aware of the movement of the breath, if you start to engage in some uh, entertainment which is gonna make that uncomfortable or, or, or feed it with uh, less than um, nutritious life force, you'll notice it and you'll start to not choose that as entertainment anymore. The more you become aware of the breath, the more you become aware of uh, the life force within the body, and you find yourself in situations which are uncomfortable for you in, in relationships and so on, you'll start to make choices that say, you know what, I don't really think I want to spend time in this relationship right now. And you'll start to recognize people that are uh, energetically supportive, non-parasitic, and so on. But you have to pay attention. Again, svadhyaya comes into play here. You have to practice your pranayama, feel the body, feel the life force within the body, and then observe what does your, how does your body respond to that which you want to feed it energetically or, or feed it emotionally, because it is built up of this food. You, you take in this food, this energetic and this emotional food. And if you pay attention, you'll start to get stronger and stronger that you will just naturally, innately make choices which sustain the prana within the body, which make the 
uh, energy system of the body healthy. This takes time. It could take years. It could take a decade or more. Um, but my experience has been that there are many things that I enjoyed when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult, um, many relationships I would put up with that might not have been so good for me, many choices that I might have made for entertainment, that now I don't have to practice uh, renunciation and say, absolutely not, get that out of my life. I'm trying to be a yogi here. I just don't want to do it. That just isn't, doesn't appeal to me. Um, supposedly, Yogananda was asked one time, you know, do I have to give up you know, eating meat? Do I have to give up drinking and smoking if I'm going to practice Kriya Yoga? And um, the story goes that he said, no, you don't have to. But more than likely, you'll want to eventually. And that's because the practice of Kriya Yoga begins to strengthen and purify this energetic body. And then the energy of the body then starts to respond by making choices which are um, more uplifting. But again, you have to pay attention because what many people do is they start to actually feel the change within them. They start to sense that, oh, well, I don't really want to do this anymore. But they say, but my friends want me to do it. And they go do it anyway. Or if someone makes a meal for them and maybe it's really hot and spicy or it's, uh, they, give them, they want to give them coffee and it's a lot of stimulant, really black coffee, strong coffee. And they don't really want it anymore because they don't need that in order to feel alive or energized. But they say, well, you know, I've done that for so long. Sure, I'll have some coffee. So you can't ignore the changes that occur. That really, that really gums up the works. It really throws a, a wrench or a spanner uh, in the gears. Because then you are consciously practicing non-truthfulness because you know that a change needs to be done, but you ignore it. So uh, you got to be truthful with yourself and, and acknowledge the changes as they come. But this is, these are ways to consider um, how to practice tapas, this pillar of Kriya Yoga, as it relates to the astral body, as it relates to the astral body, the energetic body. And, and this part really um, brings us to an emphasis on satya, or truth. Because the body knows, the energy of the system knows what's going to support it. But because of our culture, because of how we've been raised, we've learned to ignore those things. But if you took a person and you just allowed them to eat good food, if you allowed them to have a supportive environment, they would naturally choose things which would make them healthy. They wouldn't be caught up in, in, in feeding addictions because the addictions come because we're, we're sort of not in tune with the energy of the astral body. There is a current of life that is supportive of us. The, the trouble is we ignore it or uh, we want to fit in with everyone else. And so we become kind of fragmented in that way. And many of the yogis that I've known who have the ability to experience a profound depth of meditation um, and also have the ability to understand the process, um, they really listen to the energy of their body. They really listen to the, the intuition of their body. They don't make excuses and say, well, you know, I really need this cup of coffee. Well, to be fair, if you're addicted to it, you might. But if you finally find a way to wean yourself from an addiction, uh, even sugar for that matter, um, you, you will tend to find that you don't really need it. And in fact, it has an adverse effect on you. But this is for you to practice Svadhyaya. This is for you to practice truthfulness. This is for you to explore the process. This is just guidance to see what might be beneficial for you. Now, let's consider the causal body. The causal body is quite a bit more subtle. Many people relate it to the thoughts, how we think, what our structures of thought, what, what that is. Many people think that is the causal body. And in a way, we'll roll with that for a little bit. We'll say, okay, yes, your thoughts play a role here. Um, but really the causal body is our ability to to move into a state of the witness, to, to observe the senses. When we look at 
uh, the categories of cosmic manifestation in Samkhya philosophy. Um, the senses, and by the senses I mean just simply the ability to perceive, have an affinity for the causal body, have an affinity for the causal body. And so anytime we move into a state of, of just simple observation, we are actually engaging the causal body. And so when we, when, we, when we look with our eyes, with a soft gaze, and we just perceive what, what is around us without labeling, just pure seeing, we are moving into the causal body. When we simply feel the sensations on the skin, the sense of touch, just observing what is being felt, rather than labeling it as pain, tightness, uh, ecstasy, comfortableness, and those types of things. You're just observing. You're moving purely into a state of observation, feeling the skin, feeling the capacity for the sense of touch. You are engaging the causal body. When you are listening, and hopefully you're seeing here how all of this is interrelated. When you are simply listening and you're letting the sounds come in and go out, and when the sound disappears and there's just silence there, and you are just able to be fully in the present moment of silence, you are engaging the causal body. When you're walking down a, a country road and you catch um, the smell of uh, a plant, um, forsythia or a rose or anything that smells really, um, and you're just able to let it roll through you, just the observation of smell, you are engaging the causal body. When you are tasting, tasting foods, eating, a, eating an apple, and you're just letting the sensation of taste be all that you are engaged in, you are engaging the causal body. I think you're getting the idea here. And so to engage the causal body fully, it is related to the realm of thoughts, but we want to, in a sense, go beyond thought. Now, you can, you can also engage the causal body by observing your thoughts because the thoughts, in a way, reside within this, this causal field in the same way that when you look in the sky, the clouds reside within the atmosphere. So the causal body is like the atmosphere, the sky, and the clouds are like the thoughts. Now, getting engaged in the thoughts Sure, you're sort of changing what is within that causal field. So that's why Mr. Davis would always say things like, don't affirm anything you don't want to be true for yourself. That's why it's important to, if you have aggressive or sad thoughts that are constant, that are not related to an actual experience that's happening right now, but just like an undercurrent of it, you might want to observe that and try to find a way to shift gears to try to recondition that causal experience, to imagine what it would be like if maybe you were optimistic instead. Or what would it be like if you were able to have compassion instead? This is one way of working with the causal body, and it can be very powerful. Um, but from the meditative perspective, from the subtler perspective, rather than trying to change the thoughts, we want to direct our awareness more to the space in which the thoughts occur. And so, for example, if you think about it this way, if you're feeling the sense of touch and you're saying, oh, my shoulder hurts, oh, my foot feels good, oh, my forehead feels tight, what's going on there? Yes, you are engaging the causal body, but you're not paying attention to the causal body. You're paying attention to the contents within it, such as the thought of this hurts, that feels good. And this is where it gets subtle. This is where it gets, uh, it, it definitely takes some uh, perseverance. Um, but it's learning to just for a moment or two observe and feel through the senses. And I like to recommend pick one sense at a time. Don't try to do them all. Eventually you can do them all. But pick one sense at a time and just focus on that sense and see how long can you go observing that sense and, and the information that passes through that sense uh, without labeling something, without saying something about it in your mind. 
And in this regard, this is the reason why I did that video. Um, if you go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash kriyayogaonline, um, and you search for, I think it's the one skill every meditator should know, uh, I described it as holding your mental breath. Holding your mental breath. And that means it's like we're having a conversation, and instead of me talking and you just waiting for me to shut up so that you can say what you're thinking, you just shift into neutral. And you just listen. It's like you're holding your breath from talking so you don't feel like you have to assert yourself all the time. Well, you can do this with your meditation practice and how you observe through the senses. You you see how long can you actually feel something, look at something, smell something, taste something, hear something without having to make a comment about it. And, And sometimes it feels like you're just trying to keep your, like if there's a voice in your head, you're just trying to keep the mouth of that voice shut. And that's the beginning of the practice, is just trying to do that. And in time, you recognize you don't have to keep the voice in your head quiet, because you recognize you don't need the voice in your head in order to experience, to have pure experience. So this is, this is an idea, uh, a process, of how you can begin to uh, purify and strengthen the causal body. And as you can see, we've gone through a progression. We've gone through a progression of observing, attending to the gross elements, the physical body. We've gone through a progression of, of observing, experiencing, strengthening, purifying the energetic body, the emotional body, the astral body. And then we bring it to a place where we are then moving into the causal field, the field of space. And so a lot of this interlocks and interweaves with itself, which makes sense because the system itself is holistic. And what you'll find is when you are able to begin participating with life in this way, when you practice meditation, your meditations will naturally become deeper, will naturally become more expansive, will naturally begin to take on the quality that you've heard other successful meditators describe. You will find that your ability to understand spiritual principles and to live those spiritual principles becomes easier, almost natural and effortless all because you're attending to this really important pillar of practice, which includes uh, swadhyaya, self-study. And uh, Ishvara Pranidhana, that's one of the pillars that sort of occurs of its own. Um, So we're not going to talk about that very much right now. Um, But we have to have this foundation first. We have to have, we really have to take seriously the care of the gross, the physical body, the emotional, the astral body, and the causal body. And many times when we do that, if you have a good uh, spiritual practice, you're participating in a tradition that has a good system, you will find that it does what it's supposed to do. It does what people have told you that it does. And I think this is very important because many people... um, they, they find a system where they begin their spiritual growth process, but they only focus on some, they only, they, they hyper focus on certain things like the technique, or they hyper focus on uh, seva and service, or they hyper focus on bhakti. But they don't always really take into consideration the whole tapestry of it, because it's the whole tapestry that makes the picture. When you hyper focus on one thing, you become imbalanced, and it doesn't quite work as well. It would be like if I'm trying to play guitar, and rather than using all six strings, I'm just going to use one string. Sure, I can play melodies on one string. I can probably do some nice solos on one string. But am I really getting the full experience of the music the guitar can make by only using one string? Many people only use one string. And that makes sense because the wholeness of our spiritual path can be overwhelming. When you recognize everything that's required to make it work well, many people will just shut down because it's overwhelming. So do what you need to do 
but have the openness and the keep in your mind that it is possible uh, to be more broad-minded of your practice, to recognize uh, the subtlety, the nuance, the depth that is required for practice to give self-realization. And it's not given, that's a silly word to use, but you understand, to reveal it to you, to reveal it to you. And also recognize that while it is important that you will never be any more spiritual than you are, everything is as spiritual as it's going to get. Everything is part of the oneness of consciousness. Everything is the own vibration. That is absolutely true. But as long as we are engaged in this world of form, um, there are stages that have to be gone through. Nature goes through stages. All animals go through stages. Rocks go through stages. Well, the, the, the spiritual growth process, from a human perspective, goes through stages. Um, we have to learn to honor and acknowledge those stages. And fortunately, we have a great system to do that if we can be patient, consistent, and diligent. So spend some time really reviewing these three uh, stages of tapas, these three uh, subcategories of, of tapas, how to attend to the gross, the physical, how to attend to the astral, the emotional, and how to attend to the causal. And all of them are going to help, eat, all of them are going to synergistically help one another. When you focus on one, it's automatically going to help the other. When you focus on your, your energetic and your, your pranic health, the astral body, that automatically is going to help you make better decisions on a physical level. When you strengthen your physical body and you've got more energy, when you've got more energy, you've got more confidence. When you've got more confidence, you've got more optimism. That will make it so that you have the ability to sit still and move into an observational mode to attend to the causal body. So all of this interweaves. You can't tease it out. You can you can you can't isolate any of these things. You can emphasize one, but you can't isolate any of them. And they all have to be attended to simultaneously. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.